what if we are capable of so much more than we realize? That is the question that Neil Ajus has inspired so many of us to ask ourselves in the wake of his world record breaking swim from Lenoza to Malta. Ever since Neil's first long distance swim, my curiosity was piqued. <laughs> I had a sneaky suspicion that Neil must have done some serious inner work to be able to accomplish such swims. In this conversation, we discuss just that and so much more. Many of the topics we covered in this episode are very close to my heart, such as the connection to nature as a source of strength and the importance of having a daily meditation practice to help us be the best version of ourselves. Neil needs little introduction as he has become a household name, but for any of our listeners overseas, today's guest is a former Olympian, who recently broke the record for swimming unassisted from Sicily to Malta. And he then went on to break the world record for the longest unassisted swim, swimming non-stop for 52 hours. He did all this using these feats to raise awareness on the importance of keeping our seas clean and free from plastic through his very inspirational campaign called A Wave of Change. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Go Within podcast. I'm the founder of Sanya Yasmin, and I'm super excited to bring you this beautiful conversation with Neil. Perfect. So let's start. Yeah. Welcome, Neil. Thank you so much. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, as I told you when I invited you, this podcast is all about going within, and our mission at Sanya is to kind of share these stories because. If you kind of look overseas, there are now, society has changed and become a bit more open to like the idea of purpose and seeking and authenticity. But when we look locally, there isn't that much where you can get access to the stories of, you know, more these people who are on this inner journey. So when I, you know, saw what you were doing, I was like, wow, to do what he's doing, Neil must be quite in touch with himself. Like you can't do such a feat and not have a certain connection with your body and mind. So I'm really curious, like kind of how did it start? You know, like how did you go from a normal person, so to speak, to like suddenly mm, like there's this inner journey that is calling me? Yeah, I mean, it started in 2018. I... Let, let's go back a little bit further. So when I stopped swimming from the pool, I kind of always said I wanted to, to swim around, around Malta. And it took me seven years till I actually managed to do it. I had a bit of a push from Lara to tell, telling me not to keep talking about it unless you're going to do it, basically. And I kind of got offended. I was like, what? <laughs> so after not swimming for, for seven years properly, like really having a break from the sport, um, in six months, I swam around Malta. And it was the hardest one. I prepared myself physically and I, I didn't know what to expect when it came to my mindset and what's going to happen within, literally. So um, I was, while I was doing the swim, it was really, really tough because I got myself in a dark place, a dark hole and had nothing to help me get out of it. And the only thing that kept me going was like, you know what, you kind of signed up for it, suck it up and, and keep do going. Like I'm a person that you signed on the dotted line to do it. No one made you do it. No one came up with the idea for you. It was all your idea. So you kind of like, you can't be a pussy now. You need to basically keep going. You know, this is what, what it is. But it, I was... Um, very like towards the team, the the team that's on the support boat. I was 
not aggressive, but like really moody with them and telling them not this, like this, like that. And yeah, then um, I kind of entered the world of spirituality and it kind of started giving me teachings and lessons of how to control my mind and what to do when you're in a bad place. And the other swims, each swim, I kind of keep learning more and more about it. And I think the learning is, is endless when it comes to this, this world. So like that, that first swim was like, showed you people, there is this kind of mental yeah. aspect that I haven't got down yeah, yet. I prepared myself physically. And even that was tough because I hadn't done anything for seven years. I trained for six months. Um, but the, the mental side of it, the other side of aspect that I didn't, I, the longest I had swam before was 10 kilometers in just over two hours and I did 70 and 22. So a big jump, but it also kind of, the first lesson is the, the, the biggest lessons come from the most uncomfortable positions. The, if you keep doing the same thing every day, it's a routine, this is what I do. I take the kids here to this park because it's the safest one and I do this, you know, everything as a routine, then your, your life becomes very mundane and it's, it's normal, nothing exciting happens, but you never learn, you never grow. You need to put yourself in those uncomfortable positions because that's where the biggest lessons are, are learned. You're actually reminding me of um, when I went to Bali for the first time, I had, I had just dipped a toe into meditation. I'd maybe done like five minutes, 10 minutes. Probably I thought I was doing 10 minutes, I was doing two minutes, really, truly. <laughs> I went to that place <laughs> as well. <laughs> and when I got to Bali, I was staying in this meditation center and the teacher there told me, okay, from tomorrow, you're going to start this practice five hours a day for two weeks. And <clears throat> it was the same, right? Like I had no preparation. One, one time I'm sitting for five minutes thinking I can meditate and then the next day I'm like five hours a day, you know. Um, and it was a similar thing where you kind of get in touch with your own mind and you're like, wow, there's some dark holes in here. There's like some weird creepy caves in here. And like it really inspired me to kind of become a student of myself and try to understand my mind and, and the thoughts that were coming through. Um, and interestingly enough, like... That, that experience was like very significant for my life. But when I finished it, um, I was traveling around Bali and I met this person who had just come out of a Vipassana retreat. And me personally, like to get through that two weeks, I had to really humble down. Like I had to, there was a point where I was like going in for a meditation of two hours and I was like, there is no way, like this is going to be torture. Like I'm not going to manage to concentrate. Like I was just, I was petrified. What am I going to do for two like, hours? Like how the hell am I going to get through this? Um, and I remember I had to really like humble down and just like ask for help and just like really, yeah, humble down is like the best way, like open up and be like, help, like I can't do this. And finding that place within me that was ready to do that helped me get through it, but also taught me a big lesson. But when I left, I met this person who had just come out of like an eight day silent, eight hour a day, Vipassana <laughs> thing. And it really struck me because he was like, I got through it because I can and I'm strong and like, I'm not gonna let myself back down. And I was like, wow, like you can actually get through hardship in in like either through your ego of like yeah. I'm gonna do this like I don't give a crap what anyone says or there's like this kind of opening up and going into your inner world and using those resources mm. um and that, yeah, that that's what happened to me the first swim it was completely ego that kind of got me through and uh, then from there we had the opportunity Lara and I went to 
Brazil and lived with an indigenous tribe in the Amazon for two weeks and um, life-changing experience completely, like very, very profound experiences that we had over there. Even simply like just seeing them be, we always need something tangible to touch, to be happy. We need a new car, a new phone, a new bag, new sunglasses, new shoes. They have nothing. They have each other and they are happy and that is like already lesson number one like you don't need to get stuck into consumerism it's not easy not to because they are the consumerism is there for us to kind of very smart people um prepare the marketing tools and uh, the structures for us to kind of get stuck into it but we don't need these things to be happy we can be happy with ourselves and it was really 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 special um I also understood what meditation is when I was there. So before that, I thought I could meditate, but it's not, not. <laughs> like really different, completely. Yeah, and once you like, do, med- oh. <laughs> exactly, and you have that literally in that moment going, ah, so that wasn't what I was doing before. Yeah, I literally meditated for a year, thinking I was meditating and not meditating, till I realized, like, oh, this is meditation. Yeah. Uh, That's amazing, though, that you had that experience. I had a similar experience in Peru, um, where I went into the Amazon jungle and and spent some time there. And um, and you were saying, like, they they don't have that commercial stuff that we have, but they do have the the nature connection. Mm -hmm. And you seem like that person that really is very, like, conscious and like you have a deep connection with nature and that really fascinates me because I feel like ego and nature don't really go together yeah. it's like the more you're connected to nature the less your ego is gonna go up and the more our ego goes up like naturally yeah. we start kind of moving away from nature yeah I think everyone would be connected to nature once they let themselves free and be and spend enough time in nature even if it's just walking in the countryside at Busquet or Dingley Cliffs where you don't have that many that much interaction with with cars and you're really fully immersed in it like the jungle when we're there it's alive you know how there's like those cartoons where they, they'll be in the, in the night walking to the jungle and you it's true I mean it does it, it's, it's really alive and um, we really had the opportunity to experiment with plant medicines and also spend time with the with the elders of the tribe as well and they, they they gave me so much information of I was kind of with a translator telling them what I what swims I do and and what I want to do and they and the way I do my swims is completely unassisted so no wetsuit uh, no touching the boat no sleeping no resting um, so it's just me on my own and they're like you're not on your own you have the sun the sun can give you so much energy the moon the, all these things that are there that we kind of take for granted because they're just always there. The sun always comes up and the, the moon always comes up, you know, so we take them for granted, but they give us so much, so much life, so much energy as well. And also like in our culture, we don't see them as like living beings, right? It's like we see the sun almost as an inanimate object, object. You know, it's like saying a sofa, you know? Yeah. Whereas like in the shamanic cultures, and not just the shamanic, actually like most ancient religions, even the ones here in Malta, saw, saw nature as kind of living forces that you can have a relationship with. Yeah, I mean, I got a message after they kind of told me and that the sun will hit the bottom of the ocean that is hundreds or how many meters deep it would be and it will bounce back up into your heart 
and um, give you all the energy and the moon at night will give you warmth even though it's not the sun it's when you're feeling that cold you can feel the gives you light as well it's like a, having a little night light on when you're doing when you're in the middle of two countries and there's no lights anyway it's really dark out there you can't even see your hand the moon is like having a little night light on so it helps a lot I got distracted by it by because I, I actually really want to go deeper in this, but I have this experience and I know a lot of other people have that whenever we're swimming now, we think of you every time we get tired or like, you know, or if that were cold, like, I love your money, like really, <laughs> it's a really good motivator. Um, but uh, going back to this thing of like being in connection with nature, um, I think it's something that to our culture, it's very easy for people to hear that and think like, what the hell, you know, it's really weird, but I think it's because we, we're so comfortable that we never have to kind of go out of our own capability and actually get that energy from out there. Like you had to do that because you were put in the situation where you're not sitting at home on your sofa and if you're test, you grab a water yeah. or if you're cold, you grab a blanket. It's like you have nothing. Therefore, the only thing that you can have is like from the nature mm. around you and, and those relationships. And I think it's something that me personally, I experienced, as I said, like when I was doing these long meditations, it's again, a, a similar thing where like you have nothing, like you can't just get up in the middle of your meditation and walk off and go and get a blanket if you're cold. Yeah, or yeah. If there are mosquitoes eating you, you're just like, you're sitting there and you're just getting through it, you know? It's shifting your mind. Like kind of one of the things I work with is kind of reframing going from the negative to positive from darkness to light and what it kind of taught me is um, if we can while I'm swimming and I would be for example my shoulders really tired really really tired and I'm, I've got hours to go what 24 30 hours left and I'm like what, what am I gonna do like I'm tired and then uh, I'll, something would happen that would change something like I'd stop on the break and they'll play certain music that I want them to play um, and these are prayers and songs from the South American traditions from the tribes and it shifts my mind and all of a sudden my shoulders not not tired anymore so what if we can get that into our everyday life what if you're stuck in a loop at work and saying that you, you have a headache or something's bothering you something's bothering you what if everyone has those tools and skills to be able to do something sit down go and sit down and meditate for five minutes and then move away from that space and not be there anymore and be in a, in a, in a better place. You know what, this is what we need to do. Try and get this into our everyday life with all the distractions. When you're out there and when you're alone, you, I'm very connected with everything. So anything that's happening inside me, anything that's happening around me, I'm, I'm aware of it. So I'll be hypersensitive to them. So it might be a bit easier to, to find it, grab it and kind of move it away. It's quite amazing though. Like, when you think about it, that the mind can actually affect your body in such as like your shoulders tired, it's hurting, like it's hurting for a reason, you know, you didn't just invent it in your mind, like you just... Uh, you, could, you could have, a huh? <laughs> True, true, you could, very true. You could, you could, um, I believe you could. And uh, not only with, with your shoulder hurting you, with, with anything, it could be even someone telling you something, even when we communicate so much over, over WhatsApp messages of interpreting something in one way and then you build a story in your mind and you're looping and that person wasn't even meaning what, what you interpreted from a message, you know? Mm -hmm. So your mind, for me, is the most powerful, powerful tool. It's, it's quite impressive that, like, we can shift our body's state with just a thought, with just mm -hmm. a few thoughts. Like, 
this took me a long time to get my head around and I mean I haven't experienced it to such a kind of intense degree as you have but I have experienced on a on a short level of like feeling bad changing my mind and then feeling good again whether it's like a headache or a stomach mm. ache or, or whatever right um but again it's like one of those things mm. that culturally like we're almost conditioned not to believe in yeah. this like we are definitely it's convenient to, for people that sell medicine. <laughs> we're conditioned to many things, as in how many doctors have told me it's impossible for you to stay awake for 52 hours. It's physios, it's impossible for you to do what I think they calculated it. I was at a dinner last time, like 130,000 strokes. So that's 130,000 rotations in my shoulders. And it's impossible to do so many in a short time frame and not have long-term injuries. But this is what we are conditioned to believe. Who says? society says or because no one's done it before do you think you would have managed like your bigger feats if you hadn't kind of had this shift like spiritually where you got more no. connected no I, I don't think so i think it, there's a limit to to where you can go and maybe i think if i didn't explore it i think some kind of spirituality or maybe an understanding of it not knowing its spirituality would have come to me because it's spending so much time on your own um, in the water, kind of, it's like you're meditating, you know, it's, it's part of it. So maybe, but I think now knowing and knowing about spirituality and learning more and reading and all the tools that you can create is, it's endless. So it's, it makes a big, big difference. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking a bit before we started, like about <clears throat> the fact that both of us went through, you know, a time of kind of partying mm -hmm. and, um, you know, having our naughty days. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'd love to know, like, just how that kind of fed into your journey, right? Like, I'm going to put words in your mouth, but yeah, I'll just, I'll leave it here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, while I was a pool swimmer, when I was swimming in the pool, preparing for the Olympics, I never really went out. I never really drank. I never really smoked. I never really partied for sure. Um, but then when I stopped, it was kind of like I was free and I was like, let go of all these chains holding me down from my social life. I was a, a really big introvert then. Um, cause I was just used to socialize. Like we said, you're in your comfort zone with these people. We never go out, never bump into people you don't really know. And so you remain in your, in your little bubble that's safe. But once I went out there, then it was, um, easily accessible. It's everywhere. And not that was the excuse. I was enjoying it. I was doing it, going out, drinking, partying, drinking, partying, drinking, partying. And yeah, it kind of was what we do. There isn't much to do here in Malta. You either go out to eat or you go to a party. And now, recently, there are maybe other, other options and other things, especially with, with like Sanya giving out even these diets that you, you're doing and going on these sugar diets. And it's something that people are looking for because there really is nothing else to, to do. So it's a very big backfall for a lot of Maltese. It's like, what are you going to do? And then it becomes what we know, but um, it is kind of uh, an issue that we kind of need to, to deal with. But I think slowly, slowly it will turn around and people will, will get to understand that there's something more to it than just partying. Yeah, I, I like kind of, it's bringing me back to what you were saying before about how like when you're in the water, you're super sensitive and you seem like quite a sensitive person in general. Um, and... 
I know that myself, I mean, I don't know if you relate to this, but drugs for me and, and partying and just, you know, the, that kind of um, lifestyle was very much a way for me to kind of cope as well with the sensitivity that we're not really taught how to channel in the right way. Like life is quite intense. There's, you know, a lot of stuff that happens emotionally and we're not really given the tools from a young age to like, okay, how can we take those emotions, process them and actually use that pain as a growth tool and as a motivator. Instead, you know, culturally, it's more just like, you know, numb it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, Forget had a bad, it. I had a long week. What, they, what do you want? Uh, uh, drink. You know, Netflix and, and chill. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, that's what people want to, it's a go-to and then it's kind of dropped after each kind of generation after the other. It's what we do. And so we need to break that and make spirituality not so taboo. But I also feel that because of COVID, it, it has changed a lot because a lot of people were stuck at home. A lot of people had nowhere to turn to except within. And so it has come out a lot more people like have, who I haven't met in a long time have conversation with. I'm like, wow, didn't expect <laughs> that from you. But amazing, like really, 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 really good to see how people are have been pushed to the corner to, to look inside and see what they find and find answers in, within, within themselves, you know? It's how it would make sense. That is what they're, they're, they've been pushed into that corner to do that. Yeah, and then once you start doing it, you realize it's actually super satisfying. Like exactly. it's, it's very rewarding, the inner journey. It's interesting because you kind of have like that two aspects, right? Of like sport, but then also your spirituality, which both separately and together give you like a really good sense of purpose and, mm -hmm. and a mission. And you were talking at the beginning about how companies really, they know how to kind of prey on us, right? Yeah. Like on our, yeah. um, I, I'm very inspired by a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces, um, which is basically Joseph Campbell, who wrote that like every human is on the same journey, like a hero's journey where you need to like get the call to an adventure, then you go through this like big challenge and then the, the challenge transforms you in some way. And then you actually take that wisdom, that transformation that you got to actually bring it back to your society, mm -hmm. um, which I think is something that you've really done with the wave of change, right? Like yeah. you haven't stopped that like, okay, this is my personal, I personally got changed by this, but you're also like, okay, but now, how that changed me, I want to kind of give back and, and share that wisdom with my tribe, which many people say is actually harder than the challenge, like the main challenge that we face. Yeah, I, I get um, uh, being what, I, what I've done. A lot of people come to speak to me and you could kind of, without them asking you kind of for help, they're kind of asking you for advice. And I'm always there to kind of share what I've learned. It's not, you can't hoard any knowledge because you're a hoarder, whether it's for every little thing or whether it's information and it's sharing and let help, helping people grow and overcome um, difficult situations that I might be able to, to, to guide them in. Um, it's, I think, really, really important. Yeah, and I, I think kind of that, that um, hero's journey pattern, right? So like that we all have. Like it's all there within us, but we don't all kind of get that call to adventure. Like you created your own adventure, right? Like you're like, mm -hmm. I'm going to do this swim and that mm -hmm. swim kind of pushed you into an inner journey. Yeah, that I mean, that's one swim 
changed everything. It made me find my purpose. This is why I'm here to do this. And um, while I'm at it, because you mentioned it before and I didn't speak about it, is yes, push the attention that comes onto me onto something that is bigger than me. Um, we, we need to take care of our environment. We need to care for our ocean. We're throwing millions and millions of tons of plastic into the sea and the fish are eating it and then we're eating it. So it's like giving cows plastic to eat, you know, or chickens. And we're so, everyone's so, this, we want to eat grass fed and we want to eat this. And for fish, it's okay. They, we can eat whatever they eat, you know, it's not a problem. Um, so there's a missing link there and th we are losing a lot of our wildlife. We don't have much in Malta and we're losing it. And, you know, I always mention that, like how our grandparents, when you go somewhere with them, they say, oh, when we were your age, we could see all this or there were so many more fish. And now we are going to be doing it the same to our grandchildren. And then all of us, and that becomes the new normal. And it's, this is just a thing of the past, like dinosaurs were, were on, on the earth millions of years ago, you know? So this is the new, and we can't accept the new normal. Why do you think like we struggle so much as a nation? I mean, this is a big question, but like that, I, it feels to me like we have more of a disconnection to our environment than other places. Uh, um, it's a tough question <laughs> because we, we've, we, I think we've always, it's always been dirty Malta. And so like we're used to it. It's normal to see rubbish on the floor as where if you go to certain countries, and certain cities, not everywhere, because there is a big issue of even in London, where in certain areas in London that was like, wow, I thought it would be a lot more um, uh, cleaner. And certain places giving you plastic straws as well, which is something quite taboo. And you would never like, I, I haven't been to a place to give me a plastic straw in a long time. Um, but we're used to seeing it there. So it's become normal, you know, like it's part of our peripherals that we see. Um, but we do have the tendency to do, pretend like for social media purposes, like, like I would say social media is like your highlights of your life, whereas you would never um, post a photo of you stuck in traffic for six hours. Oh my God, I'm stuck in traffic, you know? You'll say about how much fun you had on the weekend or where you went after work for a drink. Um, but the, when we're not, when no one is seeing what we are doing, we are not being true to ourselves. We are throwing rubbish on the floor and nobody can see us. You know, how many times have you been in your house where you're chopping an onion and you open the wrong bin and you're like, ah, no one's seeing me. You could easily just drop them or you could stop and go to the other bin, you know? When people aren't seeing, then this is where we need to work, what we need to work on and education. We have too many people, and not until not, not too long ago, people would, hassle to get their fridge, put it in a truck, drive in the middle of the night to the countryside to drop it over there when the guy will come and pick it up from outside your door. I mean, that, that logically tells me that they don't know about, that there's a service, bulky refuse that come and collect your stuff. To me, at least, I don't know if they know about it, but they'd rather put it in, hassle to do all that, you know? Well, it's, <laughs> probably they, they think that they're going to get charged by the exactly, bulky you know? So it's a lack of education. Yeah. We need I, to spend millions on educating, not on promoting ourselves. Mm -hmm. I'm curious though, like, because education is so, it's such a big, a vague word. Like, 
I don't know if you resonate with this, but when I when I graduated from university, I had started Get Up Stand Up, which was this NGO fighting for human rights. And we were organizing concerts, getting, you know, people from different nationalities, migrants, all these people to come together. And um, I, I did this for a while. And then I got to the point where I felt like what I was doing, like how I was trying to educate people wasn't actually changing their mind. And that led me like down this rabbit hole of like, okay, how do we change our mind? <laughs> which actually became a, a book by Michael Pollan, which I don't know if you're, you're aware about. No. He, Michael Pollan, who's like, you know, a very well-respected um, author, very mainstream. He did this latest book where he, um, it's all about psilocybin and mm -hmm. the, how um, these kind of peak experiences can um, change our mind <laughs> and he was saying sort of, it's really hard to change a human mind um, and in my own experience in fact when I when I realized this I was like wow it's facts don't change people's minds like there's this emotional component where we're really attached to feeling the way that we do and for me it was like okay I need to experience a different state of consciousness that when I come out of it my the facts are different right like once you've had that connection with nature, for example, even if no one's watching you, you're not going to dirty it yeah. because it's like an experience within you of value that you love that nature now. It's not like a, a mental thing of like, oh, I should do this. It actually becomes who you are. And that really fascinates me because it's like, how, how are we going to educate people in experience, right? As opposed to like in reading from a book, like this you is know, what you should give, do. Give everyone mushrooms. Or take everyone <laughs> swimming with you, Neil. <laughs> yeah, um, once you do um, work out outside and not run on a treadmill in a gym and run in nature and swim, then the connection starts to be built. You start to slowly build that connection, like that documentary of the My Octopus Teacher, you know, the connection starts to be built and you go back and you go back for more and it keeps giving you more. Nature will keep giving you, as in I still learn from from being in the sea, even though I've spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours training, swimming up and down. Did, did, I'm sure this is a yes, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Like, um, I know you spoke quite a bit kind of publicly about the, the hallucin, hallucin, what, what's the word? Hallucination. <laughs> um, kind of in your main swim. But was it something that you experienced when you were training and, and in your shorter swims? Because like, like you said, sort of, people, we can change people's minds if they experience some of this plant medicine. But at the same time, sport and dance and music can actually take you to a very similar place. Yes, um, I never hallucinated, but um, uh, very deep meditations. Um, I taught myself how to go into a meditation from the sounds of my hands entering the water. So the and that takes me into a different space completely. And then I can swim for hours. Um, but the hallucinations mostly came from the sleep deprivation. And also speaking to someone, there's a lot of um, breathing techniques, um, breathing that same rhythm for many hours can trigger um, hallucinations as well. So I think it was the combination of both. Um, but also for me, it also felt like the connection with my with the ocean was so strong that um, it opened up to really show me a lot of things about the sea, you know, a lot of its beauty and um, 
it's just reminding me now the I started wave of change was kind of the idea we came up with was when I um, did my first night so my summer into a plastic bag and it engulfed my head and now today I'm sure that the spirit of the ocean Yamanja put that plastic bag there for a reason you know call to adventure yeah <laughs> like pick me pick me <laughs> Yeah, what, what you're saying about the breathing is I teach a, a type of breathing technique yeah. here called holotropic breathing. Um, and it's a, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a technique which actually helps you to enter that the holotropic state, right, which is kind of the altered state of consciousness. And in fact, most people, after they try it, the first thing they say is like, that was like taking mushrooms or that yeah. was like taking... Um, uh, and it is quite amazing how kind of our body is designed to be able to enter these states where we can actually get much more connected and, and have these kind of experiences which are very different. I, I get the feeling that you feel the same, that, like, I don't know, for me, those experiences are some of the most precious possessions that I have, right? Like, I would much rather give away my car than, than have lost one of those experiences, yeah. right, that, that I Definitely have. Definitely 100%. Um, it's the... I think it's we've, we've been doing it forever. We've always been with plant medicines from the way, way back when. I think it, they've always been, even I think in the Bible, there's Jesus Christ with the mushrooms behind him and whatnot. I think it's been in humanity's life forever. So it's not, as long as it's not abused and not taken advantage of and not... Um, changed into when it becomes a pharmaceutical then it is no longer gives you what the plant medicines from the amazon or from wherever wherever part of the world they come they're from the earth so they they connect you to yourself to the source whereas if they're made in a lab then they don't that's the connection gets missed and you misfire so it's it's this is where it comes from connecting to the earth again which is where we're all grounded to yeah, it's actually super fascinating, like our, like humanity's history with altered states of consciousness and all the things we've done, like even if you think of like the sweat lodge, um, even fasting, um, in some cultures they do bloodletting where they like cut and they let out their blood and that triggers a, an altered state of consciousness. Um, then obviously like religions, um, especially the, the theistic religions kind of clamp down on this, um, which is quite interesting, right? Because like ideally our religious life is kind of rooted in this experience as opposed to hearing or reading and absorbing sort of on a mental level. We're actually experiencing and then you can understand. Um, I actually had this experience where um, I was never super religious, but I was brought up Catholic, like like most of us are here. And and um, I always had a, a fear of death when I was young. Um, and I remember at night I would I would leave my body still. I would hold my breath, close my eyes, and try to imagine what it's like to not be there. And then I would freak myself. I would be like panic and be like ah. Um, and I remember once going to my mom and telling her like I I've, I'm really scared of dying. And her answer was very, very not helpful. Because <laughs> she just said, oh, by the time you're old, there'll be a cure. Which is like completely <laughs> okay, unnatural. Okay, thanks. Okay, great. <laughs> and she was like, just say the rosary, right? So I was like a child, like trying to say the rosary. And it didn't really help. It didn't really sort of take me into this experience. Um, 
But many years later, when I did actually kind of have that experience through meditation and, and I was in, the first time was in Peru taking plant medicine, um, taking ayahuasca and the times after that were in Bali. So th these were two cultures completely different to my own. Um, Peru is interesting because they've kind of mixed shamanism in with Catholicism mm -hmm. in this very weird blend. Um, but the root of the practice was very shamanic. Um, and in Bali, obviously, they have a Hindu, Balinese Hindu culture there. Um, but my spiritual experiences there, when I did come back to Malta, my connection with my own religion actually was much deeper. Mm -hmm. You understand uh, it more. Yes, like even now, it's sort of you, you hear, it's not that I go to church very often, but when I do go and I hear certain things, I can understand them on such a deeper level now that I've had that experience. Um, and personally, I feel super connected to Madonna of Tapinu. I, I feel very connected to the, the feminine um, force that, that is here in Malta that yeah. we were devoted to for, for so long, right? Like we have a, a history of matriarchal yeah. spirituality. Especially you feel it as soon as you walk close to the church, the energy. Yeah. Really. Really um, nice energy over there. Uh, I don't know where I was going with with this whole long rant <laughs> went on, but uh, yeah, I but think plant like medicines we were talking about, and I think it's really they're they're game changers in today's society. We have so much going on, so much stress, and and these can really help you align yourself. And like even tobacco, the plant, it's they're very strong, powerful plant. Tobacco without all the additives and all the whatever they put into cigarettes. The tobacco is very popular with, with the tribes as well. It's like what you said about the intention. It's like tobacco, you can use it for good, or for even alcohol, you can use it with one intention or another. And mm. I love what you mentioned that like, with these plant medicines, like we have to make sure not to abuse them and come with that humility and that seeker of like, I want to learn and, and become a better person. Yeah which sometimes yes, can get lost. I mean, I've yeah. heard of people taking ayahuasca and going to a party. I'm like, what? Yeah, that <laughs> that sounds completely... Um, yeah, and then that is why you hear those stories about it, how, how it's crazy to do it and how dangerous it is and how they had the worst experience of their life because if you don't have a shaman holding space, it can get messy, huh? Yeah, and even your intention, right? Like yeah. some people don't do it with the right intention necessarily. I am um, recently in the last couple of years, I've got very into tea ceremony um, uh, and basically tea ceremony is a, is a practice from China. Um, so adding another new culture into the mix. Amazing. Um, but one of the things that's amazing, in fact, those are all my teas over there and all my tea, tea paraphernalia for, for tea ceremony. One thing that's really amazing is the connection that they have with the nature because tea is very much a product of the terroir, they call it. So sort of like the age of the trees, how the trees are kept, whether the trees, like which area they're grown in, is it a valley, is it a mountain? Um, is it propagated from seed or is it from a cutting, pesticides, no pesticides and so on. Um, and what that is obviously beautiful because you can actually feel the devotion and the love and the intention like from the first person picking the leaves knowing like this is going for ceremony. Um, but what was even more interesting was I was drinking the same teas one day in a ceremony with like full focus and full devotion and attention and another day casually with my phone there and my laptop's open and I'm drinking the tea. Um, and it's just a completely different experience. It's actually shocking that like the same tea 
one day can just carry you into a really deep meditative state. And another day, it's just like a normal tea, right? Because you are putting a very, very different intention into it. And it really taught me a lot about that. Yeah, intentions are, are really important. Even for your day, I think it's important. Um, just going back a second, those tea ceremonies sound, sound and these people will devote their life to these teas and to the growth of them. And uh, so to be in that space with them, it must be really, really awesome as well, just to understand it better. You don't ever drink tea the same way again, for sure, after being in a tea uh, ceremony, for sure. Yeah, I remember the first time I I drank this tea. I had no idea. I was just in a ceremony with with this um, friend of mine from America, and um, I didn't know what to expect. And literally by the third bowl, I was just I was completely taken into a different state. I I actually started crying. I was so like overwhelmed by the depth of the emotion that I was just crying, crying, crying. Um, and it was quite funny because in the tea ceremony, the the person who's serving the tea pours the bowls and hands them out. And when everyone has their bowl, then we all take together. And then when everyone puts their bowl back, then the bowls are collected and another round is served. So if one person doesn't put their bowl back, then the ceremony can't carry on. And I had no idea. So I was just with my eyes closed, just like on this trip and not realizing that I was completely holding up the whole, the whole ceremony. Um, uh, and it's, it's all done probably just everything needs to be exactly how it is for the tea ceremony to be a tea ceremony or else it, it gets lost and everyone does what they want. Yeah, there's, there's an art to being even a guest of a tea, right? Like how you come to the tea. Um, and there's the art obviously of the person serving the tea. Um, but it's it's a really you and Laura should come and come and mm. have a tea here one day. I I'm always inviting people for <laughs> tea. I really love it, especially obviously if you have that kind of meditative background and you already have that connection. Um, it's much easier to kind of slip into that state. Mm. Obviously, people who are very overstimulated, they're used to like huge highs. You know, mm. like one thing I learned was that sort of the drug high is a very aggressive high. And natural high is a very subtle high. And for me, both couldn't coexist at the same time. Like I, I couldn't train my senses into the subtle when I was like hitting them with these like mm -hmm. aggressive and stimulants. Very high, very low. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a really beautiful ritual. And um, it's, it's kind of a bit sad that in Malta, we've kind of lost our root, our indigenous culture. Um, I know that sort of, um, we spoke a little bit before about kind of, in Mota, there's religion and there's spirituality, right? And they're kind of two different things. And it's not that easy as a Maltese person to experiment with your spirituality beyond the confines of what we grow, grow up in as, as what is okay for our religion. Yeah, um, I mentioned, talked about spirituality on another podcast some time ago and I got a bit of backlash from a few people. I got quite a few messages, quite intense ones. But I mean, it's it's a pity. I would love to sit down with these people and explain to them a bit further so they understand what it means and what it what you get from it, and to let them even in, get a taster of it as well. You know, they can't judge. We we shouldn't judge what something we've never tried to do before you know i shouldn't judge about your tea ceremony if i've never sat in your tea ceremony how can i say if it's good or bad or 
how what are you losing your mind what tea ceremony you know it's um you can't you have to be there and after then you can give your opinion about it you know and it's important to try before you talk yeah and, and sometimes like we don't necessarily have that same connection right like i have friends our good friend luke right who is very very devoted to um his religious practice um and for me, like, he really inspires me because even though his path is completely different to my own, we have that kind of joy that each other has that connection. It's like we recognize the connection in each other and it makes us happy instead of saying, like, Lami, he's, you know, in the wrong Because yeah. <laughs> you both understand what a connection means, whether it's with A, B, C or D. Having a connection is something very valuable in today's world. Yeah, it's funny though how like sort of certain religions are not happy about other people having a spiritual connection if it's yeah. not in the exact. Sort I of... think they have a diff different understanding of what it actually is. It's still very taboo in Malta, and I think I'm one of the first people to speak openly about it who has a a wider audience. So I'm sure a lot of good comes of it as well. You know, I have hundreds of people who message me and tell me, listen. Can I, how do I get into some meditation or can we meet and have a chat because I need some help with this. And so there is a lot of good and I always focus on, on the ones who are interested in taking it further or exploring it. Yeah, but super respect to you for speaking openly. Like I, I listened to that podcast and I was like, wow, like it does take courage to really stand and be who you are because not everyone is going to be happy for who you are. No, um, but I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the most important With myself, thing, right? You know, and that's we even spoke about it before. Doing, do things that make you happy, and if you don't, they don't make you happy, unless you really need to do them for that time. But try already find a, a way to move out of that space and into a space that you're happier with. We have one life, and we deserve to to live it happy, and like the spirituality and meditation and whatnot is. Um, when I go, go to companies and give my talk, I really push for them to give themselves five minutes of the day to themselves. Just five. Even if it's just without your phone, just sit down, let the thoughts come in in the beginning. It's very 100% normal. Um, but give yourself five minutes because you have the rest of the 23 hours or 15 hours you're awake giving your energy away to your job, your friends, your phone internet anything you're always giving away giving giving away giving away when that five minutes to yourself will mean a lot to you once you start doing it and then it may be an hour or half an hour or 45 minutes but five minutes to yourself ideally especially for people getting into it the beginning of the day is a lot easier because your mind hasn't started of going in a free flow of what you usually do throughout your day so you're just a bit more quiet, get out of bed, find a mat, sit down on the mat, light an incense just to clear the energies in the room and um, sit there for five minutes, that's all. I think it's a great, great message. I, I love that you just so yourself, Neil. Like, <laughs> you're a very authentic person, which in Malta is not that easy to do, especially publicly, right? Because it is a small island, there's a lot of people who know us, we face a lot of pressures. Like, was this something, is this just naturally how you were or was this something that you kind of learned along the way? Um, no, I wasn't like this at all. I was a big introvert. I didn't used to even talk in public <laughs> very much. Um, so, but yeah, but I've learned that what I've learned is, is 
useful for other people. So give advice, you know, when, where you can. And how did you, how did you like develop this authenticity for yourself? Like, how did you kind of get over that fear to just be who you are as you are publicly even? Um, I think it was just came slowly, slowly, little by little. In the beginning, I kind of knew, knew it, but I didn't used to really say anything. And then I started like when a lot of people come and people that wouldn't even usually talk to me will be out and they come and they hang around and find that moment to speak to me on a more uh, personal level. And then I used to just listen in the beginning. And then I'm like, you know what? I can say something that I know will help him. So why shouldn't I? And then, like, I wouldn't just say something to say it. It has to, I have to feel that I can help the person, not just say something to make him hear what he wants to hear. I think that's the worst advice you can give someone, telling them what you want to hear. Whether it's your friend with your, um, uh, having issues with his girlfriend or boyfriend, and you need to tell them the truth, if, or, you know, or something that's a bit more deeper where they have problems at work or with their parents or or with a close friend, you know, you need to be honest with them or else don't talk. You've, you've obviously been teaching swimming for many, many years, right? Yeah. So that obviously has, because that, that's a very wise thing to say, right? Like most, most of us, even, even as a student, right? Like we go to the teacher and we want advice, but really and truly we want the advice that we want to hear, <laughs> not the one that, <laughs> that we really need. So from the teacher's point of view, it's like you have to be very strong to not tell people what they want to hear, yeah. but, but tell them what is good for their growth. And probably you got that along yeah. the way from and like... We, even with parents, they come up and ask me, can my son or daughter be the best? And of course, it's not about being the best, but then if they have the potential, then I will tell them. If they don't, I will tell them. But it's a, you, from sport, you get a million other things from them, what you get from being the best. Yes. <laughs> it says a lot about us that we want to be oh, the best. Oh, right? stage theory as well, like really young kid children where just let me know if she's not going to be the best, I'll just do another sport. And I'm like... She's three years old. That's, that's just, insane. Yeah, that's literally insane. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm sure you got a lot of growth out of dealing with yeah, parents. Yeah, definitely. It builds my <laughs> capacity for sure. Amazing. I think it's really great that like you... Like, you seem that you want to help others, but you're also not kind of taking it as an ego thing of like, so now I can tell everyone because I'm the best, which... No, I wouldn't go up to anyone and tell anyone anything. If they want, they come to me and then I will have a chat with them. That's mm -hmm. all really. Not really about giving them advice or telling them what to do. Just be me and talk, yeah. and just talk yeah. back and have a conversation <laughs> like we're having now, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like that kind of spiritual connection helps you to stay grounded and not not also like believe in your own hype now? Because you've gone from like, you know, a normal person, swimming teacher to like now a, very much a national icon, right? Like everyone knows your name. <laughs> everyone knows who you are. Yeah, I came, was back from the, I came back from abroad yesterday and was as soon as I was in the queue for the vaccine checking and whatever and they come. Tough menuda. <laughs> <laughs> and so Lara obviously goes, here we go again. <laughs> but no, it's amazing that uh, so many people recognize me and people are listening. And it made me realize how powerful words are. Um, but it's also a very big responsibility what you do with your words.
So what what do you feel like um, is maybe, I know obviously like the environment and wave of change is, is a very big part of your mission and kind of using your platform to, to help in that way. But are there other things in Malta that you feel like super passionate about um, changing? I think it's more about self-esteem and giving people confidence to be who they want to be. And also uh, a really strong message that I got is we okay live in a bubble and in our bubble everyone really can even afford to to care for the environment but there are people that are struggling with their marriage or don't like their job don't earn enough money how can they put the environment on the top of their list when there are all these things before and um it's not you you can't even doesn't even you don't even think about it you know we have the privilege to to think about these things but a lot of people don't definitely in fact like the human factor is is really really huge and i don't know obviously i am very much kind of in that world where a lot of the work that i do is about you know helping people to kind of overcome stress and and go within and find that spiritual connection and so on and and even um, working with people who may be trying to let go of addictions and kind of get into a more healthy lifestyle. And it seems to me like the, the human factor, right, in all of this is is almost the biggest one, right? Because when we're, as we said before, when we're connected and we're feeling good, caring for nature is kind of a natural byproduct. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're not caring for nature, it's almost a reflection of like, hold on. In fact, I, I actually posted this this quote on, on Instagram just a, a few days ago. It's a, a quote from Eckhart Tolle. And he said, like, I'm paraphrasing it badly, but <laughs> the general message was like our inability to care for the environment, our destruction of the environment is just a mirror of our inner selves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I really respect your message where you're like telling people to go within, to take the time for themselves to meditate because I think that that's going to bring a lot of change. Yeah, it will. It, it, I think the that is the biggest teacher than being in nature. Nature is our biggest teacher. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> um, uh, we'll start wrapping up. We've been chatting for for almost an hour. I just want to ask you, like, if if there's anyone listening to this and they're like, sounds good. Maybe I need to go on an inner journey. What would be maybe some like tips or advice on like how they can kind of channel that seeking energy into something that's... I, I think if they're really green, I think the best thing to do is to kind of put yourself a bit out there and contact someone like yourself or myself who can put them through the right channels and give them the right introduction because sometimes going online and typing what would you do like how to how do you meditate you know and it's got a lot of a lot of um noise noise and is gonna come and i think it will be easier if you come and we guide you to the right space to the right place um to there's lots of beginner meditations out there with i'm i do one with lara as well and i play instruments as well while they do the meditation and it's introduction to um uh, the this world yeah i i really like that you said that because i'm a big believer in like actually learning from people like i love books i love reading and i think it's really beautiful but there is something about kind of being in space with another human um that's really supportive and encouraging and and nice so yeah 
I look forward to hearing your music one time in meditation. Yeah, <laughs> Amazing. Um, thank you so much, Neil. Really, really appreciate your time. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening. I hope there's some little nuggets of wisdom that can support you and inspire you to go on your own inner journey. And if there's anyone who you feel would benefit from anything that we've shared today, then please share and send us your comments if you enjoyed listening. Mm-hmm.